The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me once again to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, because if there is one word that God has been speaking to my heart over the last several weeks and several months, it's the word rest. And listen, I'm not just saying that just because I went on vacation, though my vacation was very restful. I know some of you, your type of vacation is that you go to Disney World and you are blowing and going from sunup till sundown, and you get back and you actually need a vacation from your vacation. Can I get a witness here today? Some of you know those kind of vacations that you have. They're awesome. They're a lot of fun. But man, this vacation was an opportunity for me and for my family just to get away and rest. We got up in the hills of Colorado. How many of you know that's a wonderful place to suffer for Jesus up there? And just had an incredible opportunity just to get quiet and get alone with God. Man, we live in such a fast-paced, hurried world that sometimes we got to remember that we've got to take some time to rest. Listen, God didn't create a Sabbath for us because he was mean and legalistic. He didn't create us for the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath for us. For you and I to be able to just rest and really be able to learn how to hear from him once again. And so if there's a word that God's been speaking to my heart over the last several weeks, it really was the issue of rest. Rest. I was kind of hoping to go on to something new, but God kept speaking this issue of rest over us. And here's one of the reasons why I believe. I, think, I believe that God has some incredible things in store for each one of us will you receive that today God has some incredible things in store for each one of us things that each one of us are about to move into there's some new things that God's about ready to lead us into and we are just like the children of Israel at Kadesh Barnea now, you may not understand this, but it's in the Old Testament. You see, the children of Israel were just about ready to enter into the promised land. Now, just so you know, the promised land is not something you get in and everything was done for them. How many of you know they had to still be obedient to God? They still did what the God was asking them to do. In fact, God asked them to walk around the walls of Jericho. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but how many of you think that you would really be struggling understanding God if he said, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho and not say anything? Some of you not saying anything alone would be a challenge. The entire time around? Yes, the entire time around. The reason why I think God didn't want them to say anything, because you know what would happen if they started saying anything? What on earth is Joshua doing? What on earth is God thinking? Well, here we are walking around these stupid walls. They didn't just do it one day. They didn't do it two days, three days, four days, five days, six days. They did it seven days. And on the seventh day, they did it seven times walked around the walls of Jericho. Finally, on the seventh day, they shouted and the walls came tumbling down. God's ways, God's plans are always better than our human understanding. We have to have confidence in the goodness of God. We've got to have confidence in the faith of God. But listen, we've got to understand that there's some things that we are going to be doing, but as we're doing them, we're resting in the goodness of God. We're just resting and understanding that God's a good God who loves to do good things for his children. So they're about ready to enter the promised land. And again, just like the children of Israel, there are many of you that are standing at the door of some incredible promises and some amazing things that God is about ready to do in your life. New levels of God's goodness. New levels of his grace. 
new levels of the revelation of what it is that he's desiring to do in your life. And God told them to remember that, yes, there's going to be giants in the land. There are going to be giants that are going to be towering above your human height. There are going to be walled cities that seem impenetrable. Like, man, we are not going to be able to make it through this walled city. But God says to them, and he says to us today, remember that I've gone before you. I have given you the land. Now, we've got to believe. We've got to believe that God has actually given us better than what we have right now. Is it so that we can have more stuff? No, it's because it's a revelation of God's goodness. Listen, God is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. Mom and dad, just think about it. How much we love to do good things in the lives of our children. Listen, we don't even get on the same scale as God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. So he promises them, I've given you the land. But listen, this is what was so sad with the children of Israel was that they did not believe God's promises. It's easy for us to read the Bible, know the end story, and go, man, what on earth were they thinking? Why didn't they believe? But how many times in our lives are we unbelieving? They didn't believe God's promises. That those giants, and here's the amazing things, the giants that were in the land were actually afraid of the people of God. In fact, they had been afraid of the people of God for 40 years. We see it in the story of Rahab. When when they finally went in and began to spy out the land, and and Rahab began to tell them, what's taking you guys so long? For 40 years, we understood how God parted the Red Sea and how you walked through it. The giants in the land were actually afraid of the people of God. See, but the people of God did not understand what God was doing. How many of you have been there? I'm, I'm, I can be there all the time. I don't understand what God's doing all the time, but I have to rest in the fact that my God is a good God, and he knows what I'm going through. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly, his word says, above all that I can ask or above all that I can think. They didn't understand what God was doing, and because they did not know what God was doing, they were actually fearful of the giants that were fearful of them. This is why it's important for you and I to be established in the love of God. It's not enough for us just to know that God loves us. We have to become established. We have to become those oaks of righteousness. Listen, and right now you might be just a little oak. You might be just kind of growing and you're kind of still waffling a lot. Listen, keep being rooted and grounded in the goodness of God. When the accusation comes, when the devil tries to lie to you, just continue to say over your life, God, thank you that you love me unconditionally. Thank you, God, that what I'm going through, I'm going through. Thank you, God, that if you're for me, who can be against me? God, thank you that I'm the head and not the tail, that I'm above and not beneath, that I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the country. Start declaring it over your life. You'll become that established oak of righteousness. Because even when we don't understand all that God is doing, we can know that what we're going through, we're going through. Sometimes when we're going through it, we feel like we're never going to get out of it. But if you look back at your life like David and you remember the times that God did things, you're going to go, I know that what I'm going through, I'm going through. We are already victorious. I say this a lot, but listen again, we are not ever fighting for victory, we're fighting from a position of victory. We're already victorious, but sometimes the enemy is coming trying to make inroads into our life. We gotta remind ourselves that we're victorious. So even when we're facing giants and walled cities in our lives, we can stand in confidence in the goodness, the grace, and the favor of God. Doesn't mean that you feel it. 
And you're going to have to remind yourself continually to get established in it because your emotions are going to be dragging you away. But when we begin to understand the goodness of God, we become established. See, God is still saying to us today that I'm giving you the land. I know that some of you think the destiny that God had for you, he had for you, but you did this in your past Now he doesn't have that for you anymore. I promise he still has it for you. God has given you the land, a place of rest. A land that the Bible talks about that is flowing with milk and honey. It doesn't just say that it has milk and honey. It's a land flowing. It speaks of abundance, of a never-ending abundance flowing into your life. Anybody believe that today? If you believe it, you'll receive it. You'll walk in what God has for you. So God is wanting us to learn or to continue to learn how to rest. He's wanting us to learn or to continue to learn how to rest in him. So once again, I want to look at this issue of rest in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning again in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Listen, if there's anything that we should be afraid of, we should be afraid of not entering into God's rest. Crazy things going on in our world. You turn on the TV, the news for five, ten minutes, and there's all kinds of crazy things. What we should be afraid of is not entering into God's rest. When the enemy is wanting us to be filled with unrest, to be fearful, to be anxious, going, God, what's going on? We need to be afraid of not entering into God's rest. Now, this isn't talking about heaven. Obviously, heaven is the ultimate place of rest. How many of you are ready to get to your mansion in heaven? To walk on some streets of gold, amen? To sit in a huge hot tub, jacuzzi, to have amazing swimming pool, to drive Lamborghinis. I don't know what heaven looks like for you. Dallas Cowboys, a winning season. I don't know what it is for you. But heaven is going to be amazing. And obviously heaven is the ultimate place of rest, but this is not what it's talking about. Look at this in verse 11. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So we're seeing that we are to make the effort. Where's our effort focused on? To entering into that rest. Some translations say this, that we are to labor or that we should be diligent to enter. But there's no effort to enter into heaven. Now, some of you Old Testament people, you kind of go, no, that's not quite right. Some of you that are still living under the Old Covenant, based upon I do good, I get good. There's no labor to enter into heaven. So God's talking about a place of rest now. Do you realize that even in the craziness of the world we live in, we can rest? We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be concerned. We can rest. See, didn't God promise the children of Israel that they would drink from wells they didn't dig, eat from vineyards they didn't plant, live in houses that they didn't build? What's that speak of? Rest. They're resting in it. Rest is not inactivity. Rest isn't sitting around and doing nothing. Rest that we're talking about is not rest from work. It's rest in work it's not rest from life checking out i'm not going to dialogue i'm going to just isolate myself in the house it's rest in the middle of life listen you can be home doing nothing and not resting 
You can be as busy as you possibly can be and be resting. Why? Because you're not trusting in your ability. You're trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, that is why God is wanting us to dwell in, the, the, through the changes of life, rest. I was last night I was at home with my family watching a movie, and it's kind of starting to hit me that my son is married and not coming home. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's not coming home. Actually, I'm glad that he's not coming home. But through the changes of life, we just rest. God, thank you for this new chapter of my life. God, this is going to be the best time. I can't wait to have grandkids. I can't wait to be a grandpa. Amen. Some of you grandpas are amen in me here today. So we are to rest. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Again, this isn't talking about work. It's talking about people that are striving. And I will give you rest. God doesn't want us operating in self-effort. Where we should be focusing our effort is to make every effort to enter that rest. Because your emotions and feelings are going to get you out of rest all the time. I don't care how long you've been doing this. I don't care how much you understand rest. There are going to be some situations that you're going to face, if not this next week, in the coming months, that are going to knock you out of rest. You're resting. Oh, God, thank you for this wonderful time. Something big happens. Oh, God, what's going on? Immediately, we take those thoughts captive. We make them obedient to Christ. We remind ourselves in the goodness of God. That's why we've got to become established in the love and the goodness of God. So we make every effort to enter into God's rest. It's a place of peace and contentment. Just content. Got some things going on in my life. I shared with you guys about our hot water um, line breaking and, and water in our house. Just resting. Not all resolved yet, but I'm resting. You know, we've had a house that we've been trying to get fixed since three years ago with some hail damage. Just resting. I'm doing what I know to do. I'm, I'm going about doing what I know to do, but I'm resting in the goodness of God. It's a place of peace and contentment. See, we can focus our effort on growing our business. We can focus our effort on trying to become more healthy, trying to make certain things happen in relationships. But all of that effort will be in vain if we're not resting. The only area that we should focus our effort on, again, in, in this passage, is make every effort to enter that rest. Now, I'm speaking to several of you today, and you're really not amen in me. The Lord didn't call you out by name, but I just know how it is for us. We feel responsible. We feel that we have to do things. Self-effort. Oh. We make every effort to enter into God's rest. Listen, God did not design us to operate continually in hurriedness. He didn't design us to be continually stressed out or to always be deadline driven. Your mind, your body, and your spirit wasn't engineered by God for you to be continually operating out of high levels of stress. God designed you to operate out of rest. You were designed to chill. We should be the most chilled people in the world. And that's why sometimes you're going to have to occasionally remind yourself to take a chill pill. Now, by the way, that's a metaphor. I'm not encouraging you to take drugs to chill out, all right? But you do need to take a chill pill. You see this with Adam. God made Adam to operate out of rest. Was there work for Adam? Yes. But his work was based out of rest. He didn't have to plant. He didn't have to cultivate. He didn't have to water. All he had to do was to receive the produce that God was actually producing. 
How's that work in our lives? We still go to work, but I'm not anxious about a promotion. I'm not anxious about a raise. I'm not anxious about my income because I'm resting in the goodness of God and I'm allowing God to bring the the produce into my life. I'm allowing God to bring the resources into my life because I'm resting in him. Again, I'm doing what I know to do. Again, I'm not promoting laziness. Christians should be the hardest workers there are. Let's say that again. Christians should be the hardest workers there are. We should be the very best employees of anyone. We should be, we should be like Joseph, that they see that excellent spirit upon us. Why? Because we're, we're hard workers. But as we're working hard, we're resting. God gave him the responsibility of naming the animals. That would have been a tough thing to do. Heard a comedian talk about that one time. Man, I imagine Adam started out real good. Started out with big five-syllable words, hippopotamus. Wow, that's a great name. Several hours later, he was just doing what they were doing, fly, right? (laughs) Of all the amazing things that can fly, fly got the name, right? God probably had to step in and go, okay, Adam, that's probably all that I need you to do. And the amazing thing is he didn't have to go find the animals. God brought the animals to him. Naming the animals, he's resting in this. God loves to work while man rests. Let me say that again because this is very important for us in our our, um, success-driven mindset in America. God loves to work while man rests. In fact, if you go to work and try to figure it out yourself, God will rest and he'll step back and say, knock yourself out. In pastoring this church over the last 12 years, I go in and out of seasons of learning to really rest, trusting God with the church, and then feeling anxious like I have to do something. And every time I step in and say, okay, God, I got this now, he says, knock yourself out. A couple of weeks later, after I'm stressed, wore out, things are starting to fall apart, I back up and say, okay, God, uncle, I want to rest again. God, I want to trust you. God, I want to rest in who you are. So, God loves to work while man rests. God made man last so he could enjoy everything that he had created. Listen, if you're not enjoying life and you keep thinking, one day I'm going to enjoy life, it is time for you to stop and smell the roses. God made man last so that he could enjoy everything that God had made. God wants man to rest. Why is that? Because the greatest expression of putting your faith and trust in God is to rest. We say all the time, God, I trust you. Oh, God, what's going on? It's the greatest expression of our faith and trust of God is to rest. In fact, our greatest blessing is salvation. Wouldn't you agree that the, bless, the greatest blessing that we have is, is salvation? How did you become came saved? You rested in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So if the greatest blessing is received by rest, how much more the lesser blessings that God desires to bring into your life? Blessings of health, blessings of wealth, they come from this new resting, a resting that we find as part of the new covenant. See, that's why in Jesus' finished work, we're foretold in in Isaiah 53, it says this, that the chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him. The next line goes on to say that by his stripes we are healed, because before healing comes, there must be peace. There must be rest. So let me ask you, what's more important, for you to win an argument or you to be at rest? Now let me help some of you out because I know you're a little challenged by that. Well, I don't know. To be at rest. 
All right? Listen, moms and dads, husbands and wives, when you win an argument and your spouse loses an argument, you both lost. So the greatest thing that you can do is be at rest. What's more important to you, to live in a big house and have all the toys and gadgets or be at rest? Rest. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff, but we've got to make sure that stuff doesn't have us because we don't want to in the process of acquiring things to get out of rest that begins to affect our relationship with our spouse and with our kids. That moms and dads, that someday we'll get to be able to spend some time together, that someday will never come unless you're intentional to operate out of rest. Man, I'm preaching this morning, aren't I? We've got to learn to rest. Rest in the goodness of God. What's more important to you, image or rest? Rest. Listen, people who care for you based on what you have don't really care for you. It's like they say, people spend money they don't have to, to, on things they don't need to impress people that really don't care. Again, there's nothing wrong with being blessed financially. I'm so glad that the church has been liberated from that. Amen, that we don't think Christianity has to be all about poverty. There's nothing wrong with being blessed financially and having nice things, but we don't want to acquire those things at the expense of rest. We're anxious all the time. We're hurried all the time. There's turmoil all the time in our lives. So the Bible shows us why the children of Israel came short of entering into God's rest. In verse 2, it says this, For indeed the gospel, what's the gospel? The good news. The gospel is the good news. Was preached to us as well as to them. But watch this. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, they heard what God had said. I'm going to bring you into a land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to provide everything for you. But they didn't believe. They didn't believe that in the land that they were going to possess that everything was provided for them. We still believe that God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Word of God. I think that's Benjamin Franklin or Second Opinions. I'm not sure which one. But they didn't believe that everything was prepared for them. Listen to this. Twelve spies went in and spied out the land. All of them saw the provisions. All of them saw the homes, the wells, the vineyards. Two of the spies focused on the provision. They believed that God was taking them into the promised land and providing everything for them. They were resting in God's promises. But ten of the spies focused on the obstacles, the giants and the walled cities. They didn't believe that God was providing everything for them. But everything was still provided for them. Listen, this is one of the things I love about Christianity you get to believe whatever you want to believe. You really do. You just don't get the results from the Word of God unless you believe the Word of God. So you can believe all day long, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, contrary to what the Word of God says. And God's still going to love you. But you're not going to walk in all of the blessings that God has for you until you believe in the promises and the goodness of God. They didn't believe. So let me ask you, are you like the two spies that see the promise or the ten spies that see the problems? If you're like the two spies, you'll rest even when you're facing a giant problem. You'll rest and watch the walls of Jericho that are in your lives. You'll watch them come down. 
How do you do that? Because you're resting in the goodness and favor of God. You're just doing what the word of God says. You're walking in obedience, walking and following the plan and purpose of God, and you're watching supernatural things take place in your life. But if you're like the 10 spies, you're going to find yourself often very fearful and anxious. You're going to deal with depression. You're going to deal with all kinds of oppression. The reason is, is because you're going to have a grasshopper mindset where you're going to think the giants and the walled cities are bigger and better than the goodness of God. And can I tell you, the damaging effect doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone you start speaking to. Do you realize that 10 men's evil report kept the children of Israel for 40 years out of the promised land? Listen, if you're not going to speak words of life just for yourself, do it for your family. Do it for your coworkers. Do it for other people. Claim the promises of God. But Pastor Richie, I don't understand. How could everything be provided for them because they didn't do anything? That's because we often have a very pragmatic, humanistic thinking in the way that we think. We are thinking all the time what we must do, our human effort, rather than focusing on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's like the verse just now, the words the children of Israel heard, the God's promises to bless them, they did not mix it with faith. In other words, they didn't see God in his grace and in his goodness. Because you see, it's when we see God in his love, in his grace and in his goodness, that's when he sees us in our faith. We, we get so mystified by faith all the time. All that faith is is the substance of things hoped for, even when the evidence of the thing is not yet seen. So what it means is my focus is on the goodness of God, the promises of God, the love of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God. That's when I'm operating in faith. God is telling us to live our lives by faith. Every one of us here today can live our lives by faith. In fact, here's what Galatians 3 says about it. The righteous, who are the righteous? Who are the righteous? Are you a child of God today? Who are the righteous? We are. Who are the righteous? Come on, I'm waiting on some of you. Who are the righteous? Who are the righteous? I said, who are the righteous today? We are. We are the righteous. How are we to live? By faith. As righteous people, we live by faith. God is telling us, believe that I have finished it. Believe that I am finishing in you what I have started. Sometimes we're dealing with the same thing over again. That fear pops back up. That anxiousness pops back up. That sin that we thought, God, I don't ever want to do this again, pops back up. We need to understand that God is going to finish in you what he started. We just have to yield ourselves to him. Don't give up. Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the devil beat you up and cause you to quit. We have to understand that God is going to finish in you what he started. We've got to believe that God is working in you, that God is working through you, and that God is working for you today. So as followers of Jesus Christ, is there any effort? Yes. But where's the focus of our effort? To make every effort, to labor, to be diligent, to do what? To enter into the rest. What's that? That's putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not in what we can see, not in what we feel, but in Jesus Christ with everything that is going on in our lives. Normally there's an area or two that we kind of want to hold on to. We're not sure if we can really trust God with our kids. We're not really sure if we can trust God with the call on our life because we're afraid if we do, he's going to call us to go to Africa or something crazy the enemy's lying to us about. 
It's in every area of our life we're putting our faith and trust in Christ. Because when we rest, again, we're putting our faith in Christ, that's when God goes to work on our behalf. That's when we break through walls. That's when we defeat every giant and walk in the destiny that God has for us. That's when our marriage works. That's when our family life works. That's when our, our health works. That's when our business works. That's when our finances work. That's when life works. Simply when we're resting in the goodness and the faithfulness and the promises of God. So let's make every effort to enter into that rest. Because God has an incredible destiny on every one of our lives. Let me pray over you today. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.